ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, we are back. Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, Irfan will be joining us, Kyle, so don't worry, we... We're just holding down the fort to start the show today. And uh, how are you doing this weekend, my friend? I'm doing good. I really can't complain. Just got a little coffee right now, so uh, I have no complaints with you. Oh, I know how important your coffee is to you, so it's, it's good that you got that in. Absolutely. Never know. It's hit and miss sometimes when you don't have coffee. So. <laughs> well, man, we got a lot to talk about this week. And I'm not just... I say that a lot, but this is not sugarcoating it. Canada soccer gets a chance to clinch a World Cup spot on Thursday, as well on uh, Saturday as, hey, look who makes an appearance. It's uh, (laughs) Irfan has joined us just on time. We were worried we were going to have to do this a while without him. He is here, folks. Irfan, buddy, how you doing? Good. I had to run. I'm here. Where were you? (laughs) Someone overcharged me yesterday on an item, so I went to the store to be like, um, yeah, that I got like overcharged. So I had to deal with that. On a Saturday morning. That's never on the time of my show. God damn it. (laughs) Well, you made it. We're good. We barely started. I was just giving the rundown. You made it on time. (laughs) So as I was saying, Canada soccer, chance to clinch this week. Deshaun Watson is now a Cleveland Brown. What does that mean for Baker Mayfield? The NHL trade deadline is on Monday. That means there's a lot of rumors floating around about who's going where, and that's got to talk about that. But first, let's start with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Farrar brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. And boys, we're going to start in MLB. And MLB free agency is in full swing. Some big names have been moving. And I'm not just saying to the big teams necessarily. They're going everywhere. We've seen players go to teams that most people would not expect. For example, Chris Bryant is now a Colorado Rocky for more than they probably would have paid Nolan Arenado. Carlos Correa is now a Minnesota twin because, you know, logic dictates you go to those teams. Kyle, I'm going to start with you here, man. I'm kind of confused by those two moves. Not because teams shouldn't go out after big free agents. Like, that's not the thing. But these teams just didn't look like they were in a spot to get a big-name free agent like Correa, like Bryant. Yeah, well, I think think the biggest thing is this whole free agency, it's not about fit anymore. Um, That's kind of been the growing theme of how things have gone. It's not about, hey, I think they would do better on this team. That, That doesn't apply. I mean... You look at some of the top players, you got Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, who would have thought that they would have gone to the Texas Rangers, who literally had nothing up until that point. 
but they have but no pieces. Always said that they were in on a bunch of big free agents. Like this isn't the first time that they've been on in on big free agents. They just usually don't get them, right? Like in my opinion, well, the last few years they've always said, "Oh, we're going to be competitive in the free agent market," and then they've just failed. Yeah, well, there's one thing saying it, and then there's another thing actually doing it. Like the the, the big thing this year has been obviously the Twins. Oh, I, I the Twins are the biggest. Mm-hmm conundrum to me i don't understand them at all um the fact that they traded barrios last year at the deadline then go out and trade for sunny gray and now sign correa i mean correa is literally there for one year and he's done it's simple as that but um it, it's 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 a very weird weird time i mean chris Bryan got paid good for him but nobody else was going to pay him that money um i think the rockies just kind of wanted somebody else to be there um, because they need to at least sell some tickets to some people. Um, they can't just rely on, hey, we have a baseball team, show up. Um, no, they actually have to have some sort of star power there too. So uh, very, very interesting start slash end to free agency because it's spring training time already. Yeah, but free agency always goes till the end of spring training. There's always those guys yeah. who will wait out the entire spring training to sign. Um, Irfan, what – what are you feeling for this? Like, I'm. It just seems odd to me that these two teams are where these big names go. Yeah, super surprising. But I think the Twins, after making the deal with the Yankees to bring in, you know, Gary Sanchez, bring in Gio Oshella, they're like, well, actually, we need to stay a little competitive in the Central because, I mean, last year, the White Sox kind of walked through a lot of teams. And I, I think there wasn't much competition. They had a higher. Like we thought that the Twins would be a little bit better, uh, depending on the like after the season before, and so I think they they wanted to remain competitive. But I'm quite surprised Korea ended up on the Twins. Like that's one big name I wouldn't have thought. I thought maybe the Twins would get better through trade, um, through like you know mid tier signings. Um, but Korea going there, I'm like, you're telling me Houston didn't have this on the table for you to to stick around, like a guy who's won the World Series. Um, performer in the in the postseason. I'm I'm I don't know. Like, are the Twins gonna make the postseason? Like, what did Correa just do? Um, I know he has um options at the end of each year. So if he's not happy, he can hop opt out, which is quite interesting. So like, if that's the deal, why why would you go to the Twins? Why not go to a, a contender where you don't have to worry where you're gonna play the following year because you're not happy? Yeah, so, I just... a little surprised on that. And the Chris Bryant signing. Um, I mean. Like you said, the Rockies want to remain uh, contending, but at the end of the day, they're probably going to trade him in a year or two. Let's be honest. They're going to find someone to eat up his salary or whatever because that's what they do. And uh, I know uh, Arnado was saying he was a little surprised by that, but I, I guess it's just whoever's willing to throw money at these players. Same thing with the Rangers, right? Like uh, They've always been a very consistent team. I mean, maybe not the last three years, but like you know, they were always toe-to-toe with the, with the athletics. So... They want to get back to that, bringing big names. Uh, they just got their new stadium, so I'm, I'm assuming it's trying to recoup all that money as well at the same time. Um, but like Kyle said, like I don't think it's about fit. It's it's very much so about who has the money and who's willing to throw it. Fair enough. I just I just look at that Rocky lineup, and that just doesn't look like a lineup that you'd want to go to as a big name free agent, right? Like outside of Charlie Blackman and Rymel Tapia. No real hitters in that lineup. Maybe Brendan Rodgers. Like, yeah, yeah they, they they definitely have some potential, that's for sure. Um, but 
it's i mean at the same point i guess you kind of have to start somewhere right with recruiting people you gotta you gotta start with with some pieces and chris bryant is that kind of piece that people are like okay i'll go play with him but there's a lot to do in that roster still yeah there's there's some holes in that roster for sure um on the flip side we've also seen a lot of big names kind of moved in trades uh, in this week as well. I mean, we can just look at the Jays for this, but they got Matt Chapman in a deal sending four prospects. And I mean, as much as maybe Gunnar Hoagland was potentially a top pitching prospect, they didn't really give up a whole lot to get Chapman, a plat- two-time platinum gold or platinum glover at third base. Can't speak today, apparently. Um, that's that's an immediate upgrade defensively at the very least for a lineup that doesn't really need a whole lot of help from the bottom third. Mm-hmm. And yet he still is a guy who hit, what, 27 home runs last year in a shortened season for him? Because I think he was hurt. Yep. I'm taking that every day of the week, especially playing in the Rogers Center, which is a notorious hitter's ballpark to begin with. This guy's going to mash in the sixth or seventh hole, depending on where you put him in the lineup. And you have an incredible fielder at third base just to help that infield, which wasn't a terribly defensive infield last year when it comes to stats, but there was definitely room for improvement. And now you got that improvement immediately, Irfan. Agreed. I mean, the fact that you've replaced Simeon's bat with someone I think fairly good that not only is good defensively like Simeon was, but offensively can chip in. Um, you know, a lot of people are complaining about Chapman's strikeout rate, but the man saves so many runs. Like the fact that we have a hot corner for the first time since Josh Donaldson, um, like that's super exciting. And I know the middle infield might be a question mark, but dude, you just got one of the better hitters in the game and he was hitting with Oakland. Uh, a stadium that's not known for for dingers right so yeah. uh coming here and and you know what he might get the opportunity to hit because everyone's trying to pitch around Vlad and guess who's next Batman and he's just gonna rake so well, he I won't think be this next. is a great he won't be no next. but I'm like like after in the in the lineup yeah. where you know they're like damn it now we have uh you know Vladdy on second or somebody on and somebody else on first and yeah, then Chapman fair up okay. and like fair enough. we can't do it you know um I was quite I really like Sneed, Kirby Sneed. I really liked what he did last year, but um, to get you know, like an all-star, a guy who's going to save like 70-plus runs a year, apparently, like, great, I take that any day. Kyle? Yeah, 100%. It's one of those, um, this is all about defensive fit, not necessarily offense. If they get offense out of them, then it, it's a great bonus, but this is not designed for him to all of a sudden turn around and hit 285 with 40 home runs. That's not the design of this trade. The trade is completely to help out the pitching and make sure they save runs defensively. Um, honestly, I think they were looking at the trade, and essentially the trade is if Chapman does exactly what he did last year, which where he was a mediocre hitter and had hit for power, but he does the defense that he did, he would be uh, like three or four times the war that they got out of third base last year. Yeah. So um, the fact that that's the case, it's huge. I mean, you, I, I, we're used probably jumping for joy right now because, 
Um, you know, he apparently Ryu and Kikuchi combined were, had the most ground balls hit the third base out of the entire MLB. So um, the fact that that's the case, now you have Chapman there who's basically a vacuum and you're essentially throwing him out no matter what. They are ecstatic. And apparently I was, I was reading something that Manoa is working on a sinker or something like that now, and he's gonna, he feels a lot more comfortable working, doing the sinker now that he's got a guy at third base like Chapman who's just going to, if he hits, if they hit a ground ball, he's going to absorb it. So, well, look, um, look at that left side of the infield now with Bichette and Chapman. Not only do you have two guys who can throw the ball pretty well, I know Bichette had his throwing errors last year. I'm not going to say he's perfect, but the yeah. range on that side of the infield, like if anything's hit to that left side on the ground, it's almost guaranteed to be caught. Whether the throw to first is perfect, it, that's another question. But you're limiting a lot of doubles, a lot of a lot of gr- hard ground balls that get through, right? Like this is a dangerous left side of the infield, Kyle. For sure, hundred percent. And I think, and I, I think people need to calm down on the on the the Chapman hype a little bit. Let him play. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; it's a great trade, but stop comparing him to the Donaldson trade. Donaldson was an enigma when it came to the, the when he came here. I don't expect Chapman to do that. If he does, great. We fleeced Oakland again. Like it's just <laughs> simple as that. But I think let him play his defense. Let him focus on that. If he hits 250, done. No problem. No issues with that whatsoever. Because he's going to hit more than 27 bombs. That's the biggest thing. He, he's going to hit more than 27. He's not playing in Oakland anymore where the Left field fence is 435 feet away. He's now playing in the Rogers Center where it's 400, where it's really more like 380 because the ball flies out of that park. Yep. So um, the fact that he can just pull him down the left field line and, and go over that fence, like the amount of home runs we've seen at the Rogers Center that just are line drives just straight over that fence, it's astounding. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of tempering expectations, but at the same point, um, I think it's a great trade. For me, I, I agree with you. People need to kind of calm the expectations, relax a little bit. This guy is defensively, you can have as much expectations as you want. This guy is an elite defender. I know he's coming off of hip surgery in 2020, which took him a little bit to get into 2021, but he looked really good by the end of the season defensively. I'm not worried defensively. You can have as many expectations as you want for him at that position. Honestly, if he hits any power at all, we're getting more than we got from our third baseman last year. So he's an, a, he's just a boost. How big of a boost on the offensive side? I don't know. We'll have to see. But it's a good boost. And I think the reason that everyone keeps comparing it to the Donaldson trade is A, because they both came from Oakland. And B, because of the package that went back the other way from Toronto to Oakland in both of them is very, sounds very, very eerily similar. Yeah. Right? Because when we got Donaldson, we traded Brett Laurie, who was an MLB player. Right? And we traded pitching prospects, Kendall Graveman and Sean Nolan, as well as minor league infield prospect, Franklin Barreto. Yeah, and Bar- Barreto was the main piece of that trade. So I, I would, in, this, in this one, I would compare Barreto to Hogland. Exactly. And Kevin Smith is Brett Laurie. And yeah, then you got Brett. two other pitching prospects. Yeah. That's why it's, it's just so eerily similar that it makes, it makes people go, oh, yeah, this is the same. Not the same people. Let's relax. Yeah. Other big trades that also happened, because I don't want to forget about some of these. Um, After being flipped from Texas to Minnesota, Minnesota then flipped Isaiah Kainafalefa 
as well as Josh Donaldson and catcher Ben Rotvelt. I know I probably butchered that name, but I tried. To Minnesota for Gary Sanchez and Giovanni Urshela. Uh, quick thought on that, Kyle. Um, honestly, when it happened, I was kind of confused as to what the heck was going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think the Yankees won the trade, to be honest. I, I don't think it's really close. Um, I think it depends. Donald- it, it all depends on how Sanchez does. If he finds I, his form from when his when his rookie year, then maybe it's fine. But it's it, it's funny now. All the Yankees fans before were, oh my God, Sanchez! Oh, he's the catcher of the future! Oh, he's the catcher of yeah. the future! And now all of a sudden, as soon as he's traded, he's like, yeah, he's dog shit. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's it's, it's one of those fans. like, I think I think the only the only reason that the Yankees win this is one, they have the money to pay Donaldson, and that was essentially the only reason the Twins made this trade yeah. was to get out of his money. Um, and the biggest thing is if Donaldson's competent as a third baseman, um, he essentially replaces Urshela. I think Urshela is a big loss for the Yankees, but at the same point, getting uh, Kenner Falefa back to play shortstop and you get Glaber Torres off of short, yeah, I think it's huge for the Yankees as well because Glaber Torres is negative defense. So you switch him over to second base, and then all of a sudden you got, or even DH every now and then, if Stanton figures out how to play defense. Um, or stay healthy. And, well, yeah, either one. Um, and all of a sudden that infield now has actually, they actually have some defense now all of a sudden. So, and the biggest thing for them, it's kind of the opposite of the Chapman trade. Um, they need to perform offensively. Yeah. Right. Chapman doesn't necessarily need to perform offensively. Kenner Falefa and Donaldson both need to perform because that lineup is very much up in the air right now and questionable because apparently a couple of the big names, I'm not going to say who, but a couple of the big names are not vaccinated. So they may not be able to play in New York or Toronto or Toronto. So it's kind of, but like, if you're not playing your home games, 81 home games. I know what I'm saying. You have 81 home games. Plus how many games do they play against Toronto on the road? Six, probably. Maybe not. Only six? I thought it was more. I thought it was like eight or ten, right? Because then you're looking at 90 games almost. Where yeah. you, you aren't playing for your team, depending on how mandates change and stuff. Like that's that's a whole other issue. But yeah, it's a whole other issue. But it's one of those, if that's the case, all of a sudden they need other people to step up potentially yeah. and be those big bats. So that's where they need Donaldson. Hey, Donaldson, if you can hit 270 with 30 bombs, all of a sudden that the Yankees lineup looks a lot more dangerous than if he hits 240 with 20. And Isaiah needs to hit close to 300 and just be a menace on the base paths. He's got to be what Brett Gardner was for the Yankees before. Yeah. Got to be the contact guy, get on base. Yeah. Be, be, the, be the menace on the base paths. Just force force yeah. pitchers into the stretch. That's all he's got to do. And then, I mean, on the flip side for Minnesota, you're really hoping that, one, I think you're going to flip Urshela. I think, I think you flip Urshela probably towards the trade deadline because I don't really think he fits where your team is right now. Gary Sanchez, I think, could fit mostly because they already traded Garver away too. Yeah, right? they traded Gar- Garver away earlier in the offseason, so it's one of those they were looking for a catcher. Um, so I think I think Sanchez fits a little bit more compared to Urshela. Maybe they want Urshela to try and build around that, you know, the Buxton area, and I get it. But to me, unless they're super competitive, 
I don't see him staying there very often. I mean, I just looked at their lineup, and I should have probably done this before when we were talking about the, the free agent signing of Correa. They have a very interesting lineup that potentially is super, super dangerous if everything goes right. Buxton to lead off. Luis Arias is at uh, DH hitting second. Carlos Correa at short is hitting third. Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Gary Sanchez, Alex Kirilov, and then Gio Urshela. Like, that lineup doesn't actually sound that bad. No. So, I mean, maybe it works out. Their pitching rotation is awful. Atrocious, yeah. Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, and Randy Dobnik. Yeah. And then you just yeah, have to yeah. be better than well, at least catch up to the White Sox because that division isn't isn't very good. So I mean they have enough talent to probably finish second and maybe a wild card spot because of how easy that division is. So I think that's what they're going for, less so I think they can get away with. Fair enough. Um, another trade I wanted to quickly talk about, and then we'll move on. Um, Matt Olson going to the Braves Irfan for a pack of four players, um, which essentially at the time, everyone knew that ended the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta. I don't mind the move. They Atlanta kind of thought they were done in the Freeman sweepstakes. They kind of knew that they were out. Or maybe they didn't know, but they had an idea. So what did they do? They go get another all-star first baseman in Matt Olson, eh, Irfan? I mean, Alex Andopoulos is a smart man. I think he, he had this in the back pocket knowing that, you know, Freddie might leave, especially if they're not going to give him the money that he wants. I mean, that's a lot of money going to a 30-plus-year-old player, to be honest. But it's a good pickup. He's a, he's a good defender. He can hit the ball. I mean, Atlanta... You know, they're defending World Series champions. I mean, you got a you got a good All Star player out of it. I, I like it. I think it's 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 smart business. Um, you know, there's been a lot of deals I can say that are smart business, and then others are like, yeah, you just threw money at the situation. May not work. May work. We'll see. You know, well, I I I, I kind of find it funny that apparently Freeman came out and said um, he did not know about the trade and, and actually caught him off guard because he was apparently thinking about going back to Atlanta. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as soon as that happened, he's like, well, I guess I got to find a new place to play. That's one of those like, oh, shit, okay. I guess you didn't really put that in perspective. But, I mean, um, Nick and I had talked about this during the week when it actually happened. But um, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was won by either team. I think maybe if I'm going to give the edge to somebody, I think it's going. I'm going to give it to Atlanta. Um, especially seeing who they got and knowing he's a proven guy. Plus, they just signed him to an extension. And that was one of the biggest questions Nick and I had was, um, you know, you're trading for a guy in Matt Olson, right? At, at what point do you have to sign him too? And are you potentially going to lose him to free agency as well? That, they obviously squashed those rumors when they literally signed him two days after they made the trade. Um, I don't even know if it was two days. It might have been the next day. Um, what, to Dodgers? No, 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 no. Uh, the Braves signing Olsen. Oh. Uh, um, extension. Yeah. I'm assu- I think it was like the next day. So, um, Yeah, it was actually. It was on the 15th. They, they traded him on the 14th. So, um, But, I mean, in Oakland, you're getting, you're getting some, some good – you're getting a top catching prospect. You're getting a guy in Christian Pache who has the talent, has all the potential in the world but hasn't quite put it all together yet. 
So, I mean, he's the perfect, he's the perfect Oakland A. He's one of those, uh, I don't know if he'd fit on every team, but he'll fit on our team and we'll make it work. So that's like, to me, that's the perfect Oakland A. Plus he's got all the talent. He can be a superstar, but he's got to put a few things together. So um, definitely interesting. And honestly, I'm looking at all these deals that Atlanta has made and that they're going to be unreal next year. Yeah. They're going to be a very interesting team. I'm, I'm excited to see how they play out. Uh, quickly, guys, let's finish off the MLB conversation. Who do you think has the biggest impact on their new team? Whether it's trade, whether it's free agency, I don't really mind. Um, but who do you think has the biggest impact on their new team? Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. Impact? I'm probably going to have to say impact will be Corey Seager, I think. And it's kind of going back to before the break. I think if we're just talking impact, as I said before, that Texas Rangers team had nothing. And they still don't have a whole lot. But I think they have a Corey middle Seager, infield. Exactly. And I think Corey Seager is going to make a big difference on that team. And I think he's gonna he's gonna truly help that team not be bottom of the of that division, but maybe contend for the three four spot. And that's saying something, the fact that they literally have three hitters. They have Adelise Garcia. Corey Seager, and Marcus Simeon. Those are three guys that they have. I mean, other than that, they don't have much. They have John Gray as their number one starter right now, so that's saying something. But I think I think there, there's a start for that team, and I think Corey Seager is going to have a huge impact on them. Fair enough. Uh, Irfan, who do you think has the biggest impact on their new team? Max Scherzer. Um, guy with, with the ring, with experience, played for different coaches, different pitching styles. I think... I think the Mets needed this. Um, you know, having DeGrom and, and Scherzer as your one-two is pretty, pretty good. Um, I, I think the impact will be immense. Um, so, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. I like that. I think that's a good call, too. I'm going with Robbie Ray for Seattle. The Seattle team was pushing for a playoff spot last year. Fell a few games short. Um, right behind the Jays. Get a number one ace in there. I know it's the same lineup pretty much. They haven't really lost a whole lot of guys. They've got Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez uh, from Cincy. Added Adam Frazier as well as a second baseman. Solid. More of a defensive add on that one as well. That's a good lineup. Their pitching staff is, for the most part, young. Outside of Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez. But adding that ace at the top, I think that's a really good add and it could have a huge impact on Seattle. I'm not necessarily going to say they make the playoffs because I think the AL East is very, very good and there's potentially four teams that could be in playoff spots by the end of the AL East race, which is just a ridiculous statement, but totally valid at the same time. Um, So yeah, I'll go with Ray having the biggest impact on his team, but also at the same time, knowing that it might not result in a playoff spot. <laughs> I have to yeah. make that clear. <laughs> um, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy for more information. We're going to keep it rolling, boys. NHL trade deadline is on its way. Two big trade bait pieces already off the board in Hagel and Sherratt. They've been dealt. Uh, Chicago sending Hagel to Tampa. And Sherratt, I... Totally blanking. Where is Sherratt now? Thank you. Don't know why I was blanking there. Um, 
You can also say Cali Yarncroak has been uh, sent to the Flames from Seattle. He's had a decent year. He adds a little bit of depth there. Frank Vitrano uh, is now a New York Ranger. They used that to kind of open up some cap space for Sherratt and potentially more moves. And uh, Colorado got Josh Manson from Anaheim. Um, lots of big names moving. Which which of these trades stands out to you, Irfan? I don't know if it's the trades per se, but it's the the capital in return. Like it's it's pretty steep. Like a first round pick for for Ben Sherratt plus a uh, prospect plus another pick. Like to me, like I know teams are desperate to pick up players, but it's pretty deep. No, like for Tampa Bay, like I know the player that they're getting in Hagel is good. He had a hell of a game midweek, but like two first round picks, like like you look at Tampa's capital, and I know they're they're win now mode, but they're four draft picks in the next three years or something. Like, go for it, but like that's steep. Like I just think some of this is steep, and I know we say this almost every year, but this one compared to the last two years has been quite like for Ben Sherratt, I've never thought I'd see a first round pick, never. That yeah. that blew my mind, right? Like I would have been maybe second, third. A roster player, so Montreal has something to do, like a young roster player, and move on. But no, like the market is highest. So like, I'm a little worried if if you're a Leafs fan or Aaron Ekblad going down for the Panthers. Like, what's the ask for someone to come in and replace that sort of caliber or or something to replace it to make your team better? Like, are you willing to give up a player that you probably wouldn't have in the first round? Like, are you going to give up your best prospect and for like a subpar rental player? You know, so. Yeah. That, that just blows my mind yeah uh kyle which any of the trades kind of stand out to you on top of what Irfan just said uh i mean the one that absolutely stunned me was the Hagel trade i was taken aback by how much that cost them because i don't know if that's worth it i mean it's a lot to give up two prospects plus two first round picks and you're getting a i think the and the biggest reason why is purely because contract yeah, that's purely because of Hagel's contract. Yes, is he a goal scorer? Sure, but he's going to slot in that third line. Like it's it's nothing special that's really going to do anything. Can he play in the second line for Tampa? Probably if he needs to fill in, but he's probably going to be able to play that third line role. Is what's going to happen, and it's going to be one of those, you know, giving up two first round picks and two prospects for a third line guy. Okay, sure, but the biggest thing is he's one point five million dollars for two more years. Then he's an RFA after that for two more years. So, so they're basically trading for four and a half years, basically, of a contract of a guy who's young and has his proven goal score. So could it be well worth it in a, in a year's time when all of a sudden he maybe he's playing on that top line and second line? 100%. But, I mean, first taking a, taking, taking a look at it, it's like one of those, like, like, I wanted the Leafs to potentially go after and get him, but not for that price. Like that's, that's just astounding. And, I mean – Tampa's got the resources. They're a winning team. They can do that. They can afford to do that. They won back-to-back cups. So, like, they can afford to mortgage their future, I guess is really what you can say. Um, But still, that one one stunned me when I saw what the return was. Yeah, I I agree. They found their Blake Coleman replacement on the third line, essentially. Something they're missing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you're, you're trying to bring that playoff roster up? Yeah, but four really good things i don't know and i think you the the point that you made about aaron ekblad or fun is a very good one like if mm-hmm. if he's out the rest of the year like i don't i didn't actually see the injury i was i was gassed last night i had a 
like a 60 hour work week in five days. Hmm. I went to bed at like nine. <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, <laughs> but if he's out long term, that's 7.5 million of cap space that you open up, right? If he's, I'm, I'm saying if he's out for the year, do they automatically become the lead candidate to go get Giordano? Either of you can answer this question, but do they automatically become the leader to go get a Giordano? They go, they get or Giroux. No, I don't know. I think they get someone with a little bit of a younger side, like maybe a year or two left on the contract as well. Just no, but I mean because Ekblad comes back, right? Like you'll be back next year. It's not like they need to worry about next year. So do you go out and get a Giordano for this playoff run? Because if you're Florida, you are all in for this playoff run right now. This is a team that has to prove that they can play in the playoffs this year. Just like Toronto. Toronto has to prove that they can play in the playoffs this year. Yeah. So do you go out and get the top defender available at the deadline, which I don't know if you get are you guys arguing that it's Giordano or are you saying it's Lindholm? I, I would say I would say the best option overall is Lindholm. I think he okay. he, he would bring the most to the team. But Florida does not have anything to trade. That's exactly. So, so the issue is, even if Florida has the cap space, they have nothing to trade. Um, they don't have any first-round picks. They have one in 2024. But is a team going to trade for a 2024 first-round pick? Well, we just oh, saw it happen. Well, I thought it was 2022, 2023. Yeah. And then Tampa did 2023, 2024 to get Hagel. Oh, okay. But... In saying that, it's one of those... Because they didn't have 2022. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, one, is Florida going to mortgage their first-round picks for the next three years? Yeah, I guess. Um, but they just got their defenders. So I think, and, and at the same point, will they go out and make another move? I don't know if they need to. Maybe? Not sure. Um, I mean, they got Sherratt, Montour, Uyghur, Forsling, Gudis. Like to me, that's a fine top five. Like you're essentially, if Ekblad is out, you're swapping out Ekblad for Sherrod. So sure. I mean, Ekblad has been great this year. I'll, I'll give him that. But um, I think it all kind of depends on what you're re- willing to move. Because I don't know what kind of prospects they have. To be honest, I, I don't really pay attention to uh, Florida. I guess they could probably dang- dangle Owen Tippett, probably. Well, that's what that's what a lot of people have been saying is because they don't have a first-round pick, Owen Tippett would be the guy to go in the Giroux deal because apparently Giroux is preferring to go to Florida. So Owen Tippett is already kind of out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so to me, maybe like it, it's I, I, I did hear that as well. I also heard that Giroux is apparently nixing every single trade that people try and acquire him for, too. So um, it, it's it's interesting on, and that fact as well. But Florida is going to be interesting because they're top in the division right now. Um, but that division is all within five points of each other. Yeah, I mean, you, you had Boston basically come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, they were up one point back of the Leafs. Leafs are two points back of Tampa, and then Tampa's two points back of Florida. So it's like it that that entire division. If one team goes on a losing streak, that entire division could flip on its head. Florida could all of a sudden be potentially in a 2-3 spot and could be playing Tampa in the first round versus a wild card. Like it's it's that close of a division right now where it's every team's trying to make the, their moves. Tampa made their move yesterday. Florida made their move earlier in the week to try and get Sherratt. So 
but maybe Florida has to do that counter punch and make that extra move. So I'm but not so really if, sure what happens there. Well, if Eggplant's out for a couple months, like I can see them go try and swing a John Klingberg deal. Uh, free, he's a UFA next year. I mean, he's a right-handed shot. He can move the puck. It might. I don't know what's going to cost them. Like, yeah. I mean, Dallas was supposed to probably hang on to Hopi um, and moved him out, and now then there's no Hadobin either. So yeah, the uh, reason the reason Dallas, that I don't know about that is just because Dallas is in a playoff race and they lost yeah. Miro Heiskin in because of Mono. Right. Right. So and I get Klingberg that. becomes the de facto also, number one. Right, but they also could have kept Hopi after Doby went down, so they would have had a one-two goalie thing, and now they have one decent netminder. So to me, it looks like if the deal is sweet enough, how sweet? I don't know, but no, they still have Hopi. No, did they move him to Washington? Was that a fake trade thing that popped up? I was I like, wait, he went back. I don't think he traded. Pretty sure he's still. Listen, okay, cap friendly still has him on Dallas, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with cap friendly because those guys are fantastic. Yeah, please do that. I read something by a uh, a Washington reporter saying that Hopi's gone back home to Washington, and I assumed that. Uh, all right, never mind. I, I don't know what I'm saying. So uh, see you later. Uh, uh, no, no, Klingberg. If we're if we're talking trades, I think yeah, I think one, I think Klingberg's off the board for now, just yeah. because of the fit. And apparently Dallas wants to go for a playoff spot. I don't think they make it, but I mean, you you don't trade one of your best defensemen when you're trying to go for a playoff spot. Um, I think the main, I think there's probably three defensemen that you really um, go after. I think it's Lindholm. I think it's Giordano. And then I think it's uh, Middleton in San Jose. Yeah. I think um, those are the three main pieces that for sure are going to move, I think. I don't really think it's a question of if they're going to move. I think it's just a matter of who and what it costs. Um, I, I think that's the that's the biggest thing for sure. I mean, the the big swing if Florida truly wants to go for it, then you go after Chickering. Yeah. But you got to make the money work somehow. I mean, if 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 you can make it work, you add Chickering to that that defensive lineup. Jesus. Yeah. Isn't Chickering out for a while though? Uh, no, they, they said he's only going to be out for a week or two. The one thing I want to say about Middleton, as much as people are saying, oh, yeah, he's great. He's a cheap, cheap contract, everything. Great. He's a cheap contract. Do you know how much that's going to cost you? Like, I know expensive contracts cost a lot just because you have to make the money work. Cheap contracts are going to be expensive capital-wise. Like, draft capital, prospect capital. You're going to have to send people out because... People know how valuable a cheap contract is. Jacob Middleton is also an RFA next year, so he's under team control. Mm-hmm. And he's played really well this year. 26-year-old defenseman has come in and played really, really well on the third year of his entry-level deal. Yeah. But that's going to be a very, very expensive deal. We just saw what Hagel went for under team control for two year, two more years after this at a very reasonable price. Two prospects and two first-round picks, and you get two-fourths back. What is Middleton going to cost? A prospect, a top, a first round pick, and a second round pick? Second round pick. You think it's just a second round pick? That's what the, that's what they're floating right now. Is that's what everybody's saying? Is if I'm if San, I'm San Jose, San I don't I don't do that deal. Then why would you do that deal? San Jose, you hundred percent do that deal. Why? Because if you can get anything for him, you do it. Because who knows? Next year, all of a sudden, he, he goes back to being a third pairing defenseman who can't do anything, and all of a sudden, now you get maybe a fifth. 
Like, un- unless all of a sudden his trajectory keeps going up, he this guy might be a flash in the pan one year wonder where he's a physical guy, but he can skate. Right. So I just like, mean in this market, why would you just go for a second round pick? Like everyone is overpaying right now for good contracts and guys under control. Make the other teams put the price up. I heard a first round pick for him earlier this week. So I, I think I think the biggest thing is for Middleton, right? Yeah. There's other options. I think that's the biggest thing. Right. Would I would I rather go for Giordano or Lindholm and give up that price? 100 percent Right. And you have to make it work, obviously, with, with different things. But I think Middleton is that guy that you slot in in the bottom half of your defense, brings the physicality, he brings the defensive game. Right. But I don't think he really adds a whole lot more to, to your team. I think Lindholm can be that power play guy and really give you that, that offensive boost on the defensive line. Giordano brings that leadership, he brings that veteran presence that most teams end up needing. Right. Maybe maybe Giordano is the perfect guy for Florida because he brings that that veteran presence and he's been there before. Right. But but to me, Middleton is one of those guys where it's got to be the right fit and it's got to be the right area. He, he can't just go into any team and succeed 100 percent. So I think that's I think that's why his market potentially isn't as big as people think, because not necessarily everybody's going to be willing to give up a first round pick for a guy who's going to slot into your bottom six. Fair enough. Fair enough. He'll probably be a maybe a four or five, maybe even a five six on majority of these playoff rosters. So, are you going to give him a first round pick for that? I don't know. Fair enough. Make the market going up? Probably. It'll be a late first round pick going the other way. Yeah. Um. Let's move on, boys. We'll see how NFL trade deadline plays out. But since we're talking trades, we might as well go to the NFL. I was going to say, or, or we can talk about the NHL trade. Huh? You said NFL. Did I say NFL trade deadline? Well, it's because I was looking at the next topic. That's my bad. The NHL trade deadline is on Monday. Let's see how that plays out. But since we're talking trades, let's try that again. Yeah. <laughs> and take two. And we're back. Deshaun Watson has finally found a new home. and He's going to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He is a Cleveland Brown. Cleveland and Houston gets three first round picks and two other picks back in that deal. Now, we have no idea what his suspension is going to be like in the NFL. It could be no suspension or it could be a full season. We just saw what they did to Calvin Ridley for betting on games while he wasn't technically part of the team, but I digress. I'm not going to get into that one. I've already done that. Mm hmm. Watson could be out for a while. Baker Mayfield is now on the move. Um, first, Irfan, first question is, do you like the deal for the Browns? And then second, how impactful is this going to be on a Browns team that has underperformed the last couple of years? I don't like the trade. And it's only because I think the, the court case going on, the allegations, like, 22 people that came up and spoke about this. I don't right. know if you want the bad press. And I mean, the Browns have already kind of gotten some bad press with the whole OBJ situation, um, you know, over being a little overrated at times. Um, Baker Mayfield does so much for that team, for that city. Um, I thought that was a little dirty on him that, you know, you went and got this guy who may not be there next year and you're still telling Baker, yeah, 
we'll still keep you. But when, you know, if Watson uh, comes back, then I guess what, bye, you know? Um, I don't like it. I, like, he, he got guaranteed money. He, like, I would have not, like, if I'm any team, I don't touch that with, with a 10-foot pole. I go, let the courts decide. Let the league decide. Uh, if there's a suspension, if there's an issue there, uh, cool. We'll, we'll revisit in a year or two. But I am not a fan of it, and I can see it all over my timeline with a lot of the Browns fans that are on it that, um, you know, most of them are women, and they're saying the same thing, that I don't think you touch that. And I'm quite surprised Cleveland went, especially, like I said, after the OBG thing. I think they needed a win, and this, to me, it's not a win. Fair enough. Um, quick note on the money portion of his contract. Um, he got five years, two hundred and thirty million. His base salary for next season, though, is only one million dollars, which means if he gets suspended, that's where the money is coming out of, not the total salary for the year. So that's one thing that the Browns kind of finagled, knowing that he was getting suspended. Just kind of shady, but whatever. Uh, Kyle, same two questions posing to you. Do you like the deal and how impactful will it be? I love the deal for Houston. No, I'll say that part. Um, I think Houston just got a absolute haul for a guy who they weren't even going to play next year. So, um, and wouldn't play for them. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's one of those to, to me, Houston, as long as they don't mess it up and make the right picks, this could be huge for it's Houston. I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, if if if, the, if they truly believe Davis Mills is their guy, which I'm not 100% sold on, I think he's got to prove it this year that he could be that guy. If not, they have the picks to go out next year and go and take the take their guy in the draft next year. There's three top quarterbacks coming out next year in the draft. So, to me, it's one of those. If you make the right moves, you have the cap space. You just got out from Deshaun Watson. Right, you got him off. You got that whole shit show out of your organization now, and you just got a haul of, of draft picks that that no other team has really done. You've never seen a trade like this where you get three first round picks, a third, and a fifth. Right, you you, you don't you don't see that very often for for that happening. I mean, on the Brown side, is he an upgrade over Baker Mayfield? Yes, he is. Baker Mayfield has struggled in the past couple of years. You know, has Baker Mayfield been that guy for them sometimes? 100%. And, and I think if Deshaun Watson misses any times, the Cleveland Browns will not make the playoffs next year. Let's make that very clear. They, they will not make the playoffs if Deshaun Watson misses four to six games. Because they have nobody else to win them games. Sure. They also sure. lost, they lost, obviously, they traded OBJ in, in, uh, last year at the deadline. They cut Jarvis Landry, who was their top wide receiver. They got Amari Cooper, but who knows what the hell is that's going to be? Because Amari Cooper by himself, I don't know if he can get it done. Amari Cooper, <clears throat> Amari Cooper by himself in the Raiders was okay to good. He wasn't a, he wasn't a top guy. All of a sudden, you add C.D. Lamb in Dallas, and all of a sudden, Amari, Amari Cooper's getting open now. Oh, funny how that works. But there is no secondary guy in Cleveland. Donovan, no. Donovan Peoples-Jones is not a secondary receiver. He is a complementary receiver. Who can play sometimes so so to me this is cleveland going all out and there's a lot of cleveland fans who are not happy about this trade either uh, i mean very specifically women cleveland browns fans who are not very happy about this trade because of everything going on to me it's one of those cleveland already had issues as is 
you're adding to this and you're bringing a big negative connotation to your team. So, I mean, do I like to trade as a football trade? Yes, I think it makes Cleveland a better team. But for everything that's being brought to Cleveland, not sure it's really the best option. Yeah. So you guys are both on the same page that for Cleveland, this just doesn't, it's not a great trade for Cleveland. I'm agreeing with you, Kyle. I think it's actually a good trade for Houston, but we also know Houston isn't the best with their drafting, mm-hmm. especially the last few they years. Flip it. You know what? They can flip it and bring in some. <laughs> that would require a good GM. We'll, we'll see how the new know. GM is in Houston. Like, I'm not I'm... saying he's bad, but let's let's wait till he makes moves outside of this one that he wait. had to make. Hey, like, I think this is the biggest haul they would have gotten for a guy. Like, this just blows Absolutely. my mind. Like, a guy that probably won't play for the next year or two, right? He'll play next and year. I, I have a very strong feeling it's going to be a six-game suspension, which is an absolute joke. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah. thinking in the six- to eight-game range, so he plays half the year. Right. Which is a but joke. To get to get that BS out of your organization and yep. dump it on another one yep. for six picks? Like, I mean, five picks, five picks, five picks. Because yeah, three, three three firsts, a third, and a fourth, and then a fifth is going back to Cleveland. Oh no, selection for and a fifth round. Oh, all right. Well, that says differently, guys. My news is wrong today. It's fine, but essentially, okay, that's um, why we're here. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But essentially, like the draft capital is insane. Like you got, like good on Houston if they do anything remotely better than they did the last year. There you go. They just they they literally just want one of the biggest things in their franchise. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, the next question for the Cleveland Browns, though, what do you do with Baker? Like this has been your quarterback. This has been your guy since you drafted him in the first round when no one thought he should have been a first round pick. Uh, what do you do now? Like I I don't know what you do with him now because. He's not happy. He already said goodbye. Like he, he heard the Watson news before the trade that they were just in on Watson, and he said goodbye. Then mm-hmm. Watson said he wasn't going to Cleveland, and he still said he wasn't going to play for the team. And now Watson is there, so they have a quarterback. What, what happens now? Where, where? How do you maneuver your way around this? Because he's not playing for Cleveland. He is so mad. He is, he is done with the Cleveland Browns, Kyle. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I think to be honest, I, he ends up being an Indianapolis Colt. I think that's oh. the biggest, um, the biggest thing. I he he. Everybody's like, oh, is he an upgrade on Wentz? Yes, he's hundred percent upgrade on Wentz. Not even a question. Um, I think to be honest, it's one of those. I think there's two things. Indianapolis has done nothing in free agency, and they are one of the teams that have needed to add to the, their team for free agency. I think you add Baker Mayfield to that roster. And then you go out and sign a secondary receiver to pair with um, Pittman. Pittman. I, was, I couldn't think of the name for a second. I know. You I, saw, I saw you. I got you. Yeah. You, pair him with Pitt, you pair him with Pittman there, and all of a sudden you have a leading rusher in the backfield still. Right? Oh, oh! now actually there's two wide receivers that Baker, May, Baker Mayfield can throw to? Hmm. Okay, maybe it's better situation than Cleveland. Obviously, a very similar situation in Cleveland where they were run heavy. But I think Baker Mayfield could succeed. And now that he has a chip on his shoulder again, too, right? Everybody's like, "Well, he's he's played the underdog card the whole time." Well, now you also play the card where, hey, we'd rather a guy who's facing facing criminal charges 
we'd rather trade three first round picks for him than have you be our quarterback for again next year. All of a sudden that's a, Hey, let's go show them what the hell they just tr- missed out on. Yeah. And, and to be honest, Cleveland is in, in zero, zero position to ask for anything more than maybe like a mid round pick for Baker Mayfield. They you will not might, get anything. You they might, might get a third. I was going to say, you might, depending on the team, you might get a first round pick depending on how desperate they are for a quarterback. But I'm thinking more of a second or third round pick at most. Agree with you. Like I, I, I can't see them getting a first round pick. That's my biggest thing. Just you, as I said, the, it depends on the team, right? Like you, you think about it. Are you going to trade a first round pick for Baker Mayfield, or would you rather take a first and a second for Devontae Adams? No, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I say I, I don't think yeah. it happens, but depending so, on and, how and, desperate yeah. a team is, I mean the big, the biggest thing would be. To me, if, if I'm Indianapolis, I'm not desperate. I, I would then, I yes, yes, they need a quarterback. Yes, of course they need a quarterback. But at the same point, you got Jimmy G waiting down in San Francisco who's looking for a new team. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those, you, you can literally pin Cleveland and San Fran up against each other and say, hey, we want one of your quarterbacks. Let us know what it costs. You guys decide what it costs. We'll pay the lesser price. And then yeah. it comes down to, hey, who's willing to take a little bit less to try and get rid of their quarterback? Fair enough. Irfan, uh, what do you think they do with Baker? Uh, I like the Colts suggestion. I think it's very good. I mean, he is an upgrade from Carson Wentz, especially if you're going to add two, three weapons to him. I mean, we've seen Super Bowl champions need three, four weapons to, to sort of get them to the next stage. I think the Colts could do it. I mean, before you know, Luck retired, they were, they were trying to build that team to, to get a quarterback that is young and good. Um, so I think that would be a nice fit. I know the Seahawks are getting thrown out a lot, up, a lot because Russell Wilson heading to Denver. So, I mean, maybe the Seahawks are in. And then you do that same thing that you just mentioned with uh, Jimmy G and Baker and be like, all right, what's your price and what am I willing to pay? And you know what? A second round pick doesn't seem bad to me. You know, you're going to see those guys moved or someone says a first round, you're going to be like, nah, man, the market's a second round. That's all you're going to get. So I think they'll, they'll set the market depending on, on the trade between the two and um, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to see what the market is for both of them. I mean, if uh, Jimmy G gets a first round, then you're probably going to ask a first four for Baker. Fair enough. Yeah, Jimmy I think... G gets a first round, I quit watching it. No, you don't. No, but I'm, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, if a team's desperate enough, then, you know, you're going to get a guy who's, who's been to the, the Super Bowl final. He's pretty consistent when he's healthy. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But it's going to set the market. I can see what you're saying, it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I feel weird saying that the Colts are going to get Baker Mayfield. I just don't think he fits that system as a... He needs multiple receivers who can catch the ball. They have one. It just it just doesn't make sense in my head. But I, I understand why um, you guys are saying it. It's just... It, it just doesn't work in my head. So, like, I'm looking at a Seattle who has Drew Locke as their um as their quarterback right now like that makes more sense in my head it literally means nothing because like this this whole situation is a mess at the moment and i don't know i really don't know where he ends up well and that's so so to me the biggest thing um seattle i think is taking most likely you can look at my pre-draft thing when we release it. 
Um, Malik Willis, I think, is is going to Seattle. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's the biggest fit right now is that that number nine spot, I think, is Malik Willis going to Seattle. I think very much similar style to Russell Wilson type of player. Um, and I think Seattle wants to start fresh. Right. Seattle, Seattle has their has their wide receivers and stuff, but they're still young enough that they can bring in a new quarterback and he can succeed. You bring in a Malik Willis to Seattle, they shore up that offensive line a little bit. All of a sudden you have two outstanding targets in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to throw to. Yeah. That's the best case scenario for a rookie quarterback to go to. Yeah. Right. Would Baker would Baker succeed with those two as well? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know if that fits Seattle's timeline. They no. just traded away their top quarterback. So it's one of those like, does it fit? I don't know. Well, that's I mean, the thing. Like, I don't know if he fits anywhere at the moment. That's the problem. Like, I was just looking at the depth charts by like all the QB depth charts. Like, the AFC East: Josh Allen, Tua, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. I don't think any of those teams are going to want to start Baker Mayfield over those four. The AFC North, the team, the division that he plays in: Lamar, Joe Burrow, Mitch Trubisky is in is in Steel Town now, and of course we just mentioned. Uh, Deshaun Watson is now the Browns quarterback, right? right. Uh, maybe Steelers. You have to look at NFC. I don't think any AFC team will take it. Other than the Colts. Other than the Colts. Yeah. Okay. So we look at the maybe, NFC. Maybe Prescott, Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, right? Do any of those teams go out and get him? I don't think so. Even though he might be an upgrade over Wentz, I don't think the Washington Commanders are going to go and get him because they just well, went no. and got Wentz. They literally just got Wentz. Uh, right. He's hundred percent. He's hundred percent an upgrade over Daniel Jones. That's not a question. Yeah, but are the but, are, but one one would he want to go to the Giants? Not a chance. Are the Giants um, willing to go out and say that they're done with Daniel Jones though? Because they don't seem to be yeah. done with Daniel Jones. That's the problem. I, I think they're new. I think they're new coaches. I think they're new Fair coaches. Let, letting him do his extra year this year, and then he's done. Fair enough. Okay. NFC North: Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins. Yes, he's probably an improvement over Goff. Yeah, but it doesn't. They're they're not going after him. NFC South: Matt Ryan, whoever starts for Carolina, who I don't really know who that's going to be right now. Might be Cam, might be Sam. Not really sure what they're looking at. New Orleans looks like they're going to go back to Jameis Winston with Taysom Hill, and then Tom Brady's in Bucksland, and then I, in the I West, honestly, I'm not even. I honestly, here. I honestly think Carolina is is a is a great fit. I think. Yeah, that's probably the. That might be the best fit because he, he honestly, truly like, I think, I think there's two, I, my personal opinion, I think there's two teams. I think there's Indianapolis and I think there's Carolina. Yeah. I think Indianapolis will want him the most because I think Carolina's like, well, we just traded for a, a kind of guy like Baker Mayfield in Sam Darnold last year. Are we going to want to do that again? Eh, I don't know. But I think it also comes down to, can they trade Baker Mayfield or are they going to cut Baker Mayfield? I don't know what that whole situation is. I think they can probably work out a trade, but we just went through 90% of the NFL and there's two three potential teams. teams. Three, yeah, like maybe? Two, three teams. So it's one of those like your trade market's limited. If they're not going to give you what you want, you take like a third or a fourth if that's what they offer you. You might have to, right? You think about, you think about it. Carson Wentz got two third round picks, right? Are we saying Baker Mayfield is exponentially better than Carson Wentz? I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say he's that much better. Right? So it's one of those, like, does Indianapolis then flip those picks to Cleveland that they just got for Carson Wentz? I doubt it. Maybe they give him one. Right? So it's it's one of those, like, 
got to be the right fit. And I think honestly, maybe if it's maybe if it's Sam Darnold going to somewhere else, and or they Sam Darnold's the backup or whatever. Baker Mayfield goes to Carolina. Carolina has a quarterback. That's really what they needed to try and take that next step as a Carolina team. So we'll see. All right. Do the Browns buy him out? I'm looking at his contract. Like he's, it's it's, it's a po- it's a possibility, but I doubt it because if they're all in on Deshaun Watson, they do not want that dead cap hanging. They want to keep as much of the cap not dead so that they can get whoever they need to to help Watson. Because I think they, I think it would be a big cap hit, would it not? Yeah, it would. But we'll get into that another Making time. Eighteen this season. Um. Okay, boys, quickly, we have a comment in the chat. Zusa underscore nine, do you think the Mariners make the playoffs next year? I think they fall out just because I think the AL East is that good. Um, but I do think they push for a playoff spot. Kyle, are you, you're, you're looking hard, thinking hard there. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? I think they do, and I think the biggest reason why I think they do is because they added that extra team in the playoffs. This year. Right. So... With that third wild card now, I do think that they sneak in because I, I realistically think I don't think Boston gets in. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to have probably, personally, I think it's going to be Tampa or Toronto wins the division. Obviously, I can never count on Tampa because they freaking figure Always out Always win no matter how bad their lineup looks. <laughs> they, they, they have two lineups, one against the righty and one against the lefty. And like, you haven't heard half of the names, but they hit 300 with 20 bombs. You're like... <laughs> Where the hell did this guy come from? It's so true. And, <laughs> and to be honest, it's one of those uh, – I think it's going to be one of those two teams win the division. The other team makes the wild card. I think the Yankees probably make a wild card because they. I think they still need one more piece, but um, they're a good enough team to make a wild card. And I think the Seattle gets the third wild card. Because um, okay. I, I don't see anybody in the Central um, – because obviously the second-best team in the Central was uh, – I guess it was Cleveland last year. Maybe Detroit pushes for a playoff spot potentially, but they're still missing some pieces. They have a lot of good potential pieces going forward, but Detroit's hit and miss. Uh, Cleveland's going to be terrible. Um, I mean, Beaver's back, but they're still going to be—they're not going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a no. middling team. Um, I'm trying to—I'm trying, forgetting a team. The Angels have pieces that they've added to it. The Angels should be good every year, though, and they're never good. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I can never trust the Angels. Do I trust Seattle more than do the Angels? Yes. yes. And that's saying something. That, like, the Seattle, like, Seattle team was, they played above expectations last year. There's no question about that. But can they, you know, repeat what they did? Yeah, I think they added Robbie Ray. I think that gives them a solid um, number one starter. And then, obviously, you got Chris Flexen, who came essentially out of nowhere last year. Um, and was lights out. So I, I definitely think Seattle can get that third wild card. Irfan, your thoughts? My hope is that they do. And I said that to you guys last year. Like, I, I just, they had a wonderful year with, to be honest, guys that you probably don't think would have gotten them over the bump. Like, they, they were consistent year round. They added Robbie Ray, like we said earlier. Um, I hope that they do. And with the third wild card, I think I can see it. Um, Tampa probably being one of the better teams in the in the AL East. The West, I mean, is a question mark because, well, Texas picked up those two guys and we said, well, they threw money at them, not necessarily for fit. So does it work? Uh, the A's are rebuilding. The Angels should be good, right? Yeah. Right? Who am I forgetting in that division? But, you know, and then you, you have the Seattle Mariners, who to me might be the most consistent team 
are built to be the most consistent team coming out of the AOS. So yeah, absolutely. They could even win the division if if, if somebody falls asleep and well, if, Houston, if Houston falls off yeah, the face of the planet, then yeah. Well, I mean, Houston just lost a bat in, in Carlos Correa and a guy who, to be honest, is And a McCullers is out to start presence. the year, too, isn't he? Pardon? Yeah, they get, they, McCullers is out, but they get Verlander back. So kind of swap it out. True. So, and they, I mean, they lost Granke, and I don't know what Granke's role was with that team, but they, they lost a third, fourth pitcher who can play good defense yeah. so I, I mean the quest marks are there and i think it's the west can be won by the mariners so i you know yeah. what i can see them winning the division fair enough yeah all right quickly boys because we got to wrap up it's been a long show but canada soccer world cup qualifying window starts on thursday they can clinch on thursday a world cup spot for the first time since 86 since before all of us were born how how incredible when they clinch, whether it's on Thursday, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, or whether it's Wednesday, because they need two points picked up or dropped by either the U.S. or Panama to clinch. Like, it's going to happen, I'm going to say. Yeah. Right? How incredible is this moment going to be for, I mean, us as Canada soccer fans, it's huge, but also just, for Canada soccer, period. How big of a moment is this? We've already seen huge moments from the women's team, right, Irfan? Winning the gold medal, the women's under 20, or under 18, which was it, under 18 or under 20, just clinched a World Cup spot like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the men's yeah. under 20 team had a really good showing at their qualifying as well. Mm-hmm. Like, we are in a very, very solid spot for Canada soccer, but how big is this moment? Clinching a World Cup spot on the men's side, something that hasn't only been done once by our country before. How big is this? Huge. Huge in the sense that this might be the best Canadian team we've seen. Period. Yeah. The talent, the coaching, the fact that you're getting your left back like the goal he scored against the United States was just absolutely bonkers. Like you don't expect that, but everyone's figured it out. Everyone's put on that Jersey and gone, you know, something I'm proud to play for Canada. And, and I mean, maybe the example comes out of the women's team who's been so consistent for quite some time. And that mentality kind of brought in by John Herdman uh, for both teams and, and sort of the Canada soccer in general. So I'm, I'm super excited. And the fact that, you know, you're you're sitting in a table four points ahead of U.S. and Mexico, who are no pushovers on the on the World Cup stage. Like, I mean, they're consistent. It's always been the U.S. It's always been Mexico facing it out, figuring out who's the best. Um, you know, Concacaf team, and you have Canada kind of just walking up and, and and leading the division, and and against teams against Costa Rica, uh, Panama next, and Jamaica, all winnable games. Like I. It's just, it, it, it's a matter of when. It's, it's not if, it's when. And I don't think we've been able to say that for Canada soccer no. and this is, in a while. They're undefeated. Yeah. No team has gone undefeated in the World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF since like the early 2000s. And it was Mexico when there was like five teams in the last group or something. I, I think it was something silly like that. Like it just doesn't happen. And yet well, they're undefeated. Look- let, let alone the ex- expanded exactly that they did this year too, where it was like what three or four extra teams, uh, two. So it used to be three a hex teams? of six, yeah. and now it's the octagon. Yeah. 
So it's this is a team that is doing it in a huge group, and they haven't lost to, yeah. to Mexico, to the U.S., to Panama, who have looked very good during this qualifying. They beat they went out and beat them huge in Toronto, right? Costa Rica has looked good as well. They're still in the running to get a spot. Like this is all huge stuff right now. They have the chance to clinch with two games remaining. Yeah. Actually, technically they have a chance to do it with two and a half games remaining because if Costa if Panama loses to whoever they're playing in their game on Thursday, it'll happen before halftime of the Canada game. So there's a chance that they could clinch before they walk out onto the pitch for the second half of that game. Right, Kyle? Like, it's just, it's crazy. Oh, 100%. And I mean, and, and as Orphan said, I got this is 100%. And in my opinion, it's the best team that Canada has ever fielded. That's saying something, obviously, because um, they haven't technically clinched yet, but they're undefeated. They, they've shown up in every game and, and they're playing it. Like, I don't think they've ever really been in trouble in any of these games. That's, that's the biggest thing. They haven't really, like, they've been behind in games, sure. Yeah. But they've never truly, it's never truly been over or anything like that. You've never felt, oh, my God, they're down 2 nothing. They can't come back. It's never been the case there. So like, pretty much the worst they've ever been is essentially down one nothing. Yeah. Like, and, and, and they're playing for the draw or they're doing whatever. They're playing smart. And that's, and that's something you don't normally see because a lot of times, at least in my case, obviously I haven't watched along, as long as you guys, but... When it comes to Canadian men's soccer, a lot of the times they get down big early and then they have to try and claw their way back and can never do it. So it was one of those, it was a struggle to try and maintain points and try and, you know, to try and save the draw or try and get the single point, right? And you're not seeing that with this team. It's one of those, okay, they're in contention, right? They have the, they have the pieces. Okay, they need one goal. They can get one goal. Like that's never the issue with this team. So it's, it's definitely something different to watch for sure. I mean, we just look back to the last World Cup. We had a chance. Mm-hmm. Had a chance. We needed, didn't we just need a draw or something against Honduras? In Honduras? Something along those lines, yeah. And we go down there and lose 8 1? Yeah. Like, this is not that team anymore. This is a different team. Everything feels in control. It's not always pretty, but it feels in control. Yeah. That's and, and incredible. The biggest thing is they are ahead of teams like U.S. and Mexico who are 12 and 13 in the entire world right now. Uh, yeah, which is are messed up, but that's yes. Well, they're messed up. But then again, like you have Germany, Germany, like, yes, Germany's at 11. Are they an 11th ranked team? No, I think they're better than that. But in saying that, you're essentially putting them on par with Germany right now, who... And if Canada's beating those type of teams, it's like, holy, like, this is unheard of in, in Canadian men's soccer specifically. Yeah. It's incredible. You'd love to see it. And there's a chance that they might end up in pot three when it comes to World Cup qualifying. If they win all these three games, yeah. there's a chance that they're in pot three, not even in the bottom pot. Yeah. Like, this is huge. I love it. I love talking about this. And we'll probably have more to talk about it next week. Hopefully, they'll have clinched by that game. We'll get to that. All right, boys, let's wrap it up. Tire fires of the week. Irfan, hit it. Uh, I think I've said them before, but I'm going to go again. Manchester United. Um, disappointing midweek showing. Um, it's the constant theme. I'm going to keep saying it until something fixes. Uh, guys, like, 
you had the opportunity to beat a team that isn't or hasn't been very good this year and you lost. Um, is that tactics? I don't know. Is it finishing? Yes. Is it defending? Yes. Is David De Gea good moving the ball with his feet? No. Is he the best shot stopper we have? Yes. Is Harry Maguire good? No. So, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of question marks on this 80 team. million uh, pounds. He's not good. Um, it's just, it's, it's not something I think Nick or myself are accustomed to seeing. Um, it is which this is year. Important. Right? It's like, very accustomed it, it, this year. Um, but it, if you consider the last 30 years, but, I know, you know, kidding. like I, 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 it's disappointing in the sense that it doesn't feel like we, we have a plan. It's such a weird thing to say. The whole point of bringing Ragnik in was to, we have a plan. Uh, what's the plan? Because the managers that you're talking to have all lost in their Europe and are struggling in their, in their regular season or they're playing and they're coaching in the league that isn't at par with the EPL. So, What's the plan? That's my biggest question. That's my tire fire. What's your plan, United? You Thomas have Tuchel. one of the best strikers of all time. What's your freaking plan? Say that again, Kyle. That apparently the plan is to take Tuchel away from Chelsea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not uh, sure why you'd want to go there. I think Chelsea with the sanctions is still better than Man United with a full squad. But that's just absolutely. Um, Kyle. Hit us with your tire fire because I don't even want to get into the United one. Oh, my, my tire fire is March Madness brackets. Um, that's my that's my tire fire. Um, don't get me wrong. I think the March Madness so far has been exciting because no team is safe on any given day. But True. in saying that, the amount of upsets have, that have happened this year is astounding. And I think it, it, this is a weird way of saying it. It's like in one aspect, March Madness is good because i like the upsets at the same point i hate the upsets because god they're annoying for my bracket it's absolutely destroyed there are zero perfect brackets left anywhere so that says something about how crazy this march madness has been so the tire fire is to me you can put in march madness brackets or you could put top teams in march madness it could be the tire fire so it's like like one of those like the St. Peter's against Kentucky is the one that stands out to me. Like, you know, go Peacocks, apparently. But it's just, it's been absolutely nuts um, so far, this March Madness. And we just finished the first round. So yep. second round starts today. God knows where the heck this is going to go. How many un- upsets did you take, Kyle? I'm just curious. I had a bunch. Uh, I will have to look up what she was. It's like, I had Richmond winning their game i took richmond i had i actually had a bunch of upsets and um but the a couple i like a couple i took didn't hit i'm i'm exposing tj here but tj had iowa winning the whole thing just like a just to switch things up and try not be the same as other people and that uh that That didn't work too well no that failed big time so um But I'll have, to, I'll have to try and find where my bracket is, and I'll, I'll let you guys know how many actually I had. Yeah. I was just really proud of myself that I got that Richmond one. I don't know what it was. I had a feeling about the Spiders. So I'm happy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that. Um, my tire fire of the week. I don't know if you guys saw this. I think I, I, think I sent it to YouTube. I don't know if people who are listening saw this. But the, uh, the Thunder? Who was the other team? Uh, hold on. I'll pull it up. 
I got it. I got it. Uh, Memphis. Memphis Grizzlies and Oklahoma City Thunder were playing this week. And somebody forgot to check the uni descriptions for each team. Because somehow, after warm-up, after pregame stuff, after everything, they both walked out onto the court ready to go in their white uniforms. Like, how? How How do you not realize sometime before the tip-off point that y'all both are wearing white? Like, this, I don't, you warm up, most of the guys warm up in the shorts that they're going to wear during the game, right? Like, it, I've been to a bunch of basketball games this year with my job. Most of the time, they're wearing the shorts that they wear for the game in warm-up. So how do you not pick up on the fact that you're both warming up in white? Or the or the dark color if it's the same color? Like, how, how does that not click in your head that you're both wearing the white jerseys? How do the equipment teams not talk this through how do the teams not talk this through beforehand like oh yeah we got our whites because we're the away team or whatever or whatever the scenario is i always forget basketball if it's a set one like somebody has to say something before it gets to the point of starting lineups being out on the court ready for tip off did somebody have a prop bet on this like (laughs) because it it, 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 i don't get it it's there's no way that doesn't even happen in youth sports because I remember, we used to show up to soccer games when we had two jerseys. Like, youth hockey's a little different because some teams only have one jersey. I get that. That's, that's mm-hmm. tougher. But we used to show up to soccer games, and as we were walking up to the field, we'd see the other team is warming up in their white jerseys. So we're like, oh, okay, I guess we're switching from our whites to our reds or whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, you just make that decision. Whoever's the home team has to switch. I get that. That's fine. So why? <laughs> How does it get to this point in a professional league that they're both wearing the exact same color? I don't get it. It is my tire fire. It is a mess. Yep. It's I don't I don't understand. Um all right, boys, let's wrap it up. Final thoughts of the week. Kyle, we'll start with you on this one. Uh final thoughts, final thoughts. Um honestly. First first year in a while, I'm actually not excited for a trade deadline for the NHL. Um, I just don't think it's going to be that many moves. I think there's too many teams that are, are are stuck up against the cap that don't have a whole lot to do. So I think this may, and it's terrible for me to say this because I enjoy watching trade deadline. I enjoy the moves. I think this might be the, the trade deadline with the least amount of moves. Um, yes, because a couple of them have been made early, but... I, I don't think that's quite the point. I think it's there's just not enough money to go around for the top teams that are actually contending. So um, I kind of hope I'm wrong. Don't be wrong. I kind of hope there's lots of flurry moves and everything goes around and, and so on and so forth. But um, looking forward to the playoff run rather than the trade deadline. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Wrong with that. Uh, knowing that though, like. I've been thinking about this because everyone says it's going to be a quiet trade deadline. Irfan Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but does it kind of feel like because all of the rumors and stuff are really, really quiet and it sounds like it's going to be a quiet one, we're going to get like a flurry of small moves all day on Monday. Just a bunch of stupid small moves that come out of nowhere. Like that's just where it kind of feels like it's going for me right now. 
because of all the rumors being very, very light on trades, that's where I feel like it's going. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, not necessarily a lot of moves, but there's going to be a bunch of moves for, um, like, like the Leafs apparently are trading Dermot, but it's going to be to like some random team for a draft pick where there's no, yeah, just to clear up more money so they have a potential to do something else. Like there's going to be like moves like that that were like Arizona picks up a $2 million contract and trades a fifth round pick or something. Gonna be like little things like that. You're not gonna have the. I think. I think you'll have a couple of the moves. I think you know. I think Giroux will move. I think Giordano potentially will move. I mean, they're asking for a first round pick for Giordano. It's not gonna happen, but um, we'll see. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it could be a lot of like, hey, move the money around and see what will work out. Or there's teams that just play for next year and try and get caps. Yeah. yeah, true. I guess we'll have to see. Very fun to. Do you agree with me that it might be a busy small deal yeah, day? We'll see like a random Noel Achari sort of move where it's yes, like you Noel go Achari. for a fifth round pick. Uh, I couldn't think of another fourth round, fourth rounder, right? Uh, <clears throat> fourth liner, sorry. But you just, it's going to be one of those, or it's like a depth defenseman, like a seventh defenseman or 13th forward for teams that are very good. Like maybe Florida waits and goes, I think we're okay with, with Ben Chirot coming in and we'll. We'll just play a tighter defensive game, and then you go and get a, a depth forward, something like that, or goaltender, like a minor league goaltender or something. Like you know, like we'll see stuff like that. It's gonna be very boring. And then I have this weird inkling that there'll be one massive trade, and that's it. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely. Yeah, like see a, that. like a Giroux or a Giordano getting moved, and that's it. Or even a Lindholm, and that probably be the the biggest one of the three. Would be the biggest. Fair enough. I guess we will have to wait and see on Monday. We'll try to keep you updated Monday as trades come and go. Uh, hopefully we have some stuff to talk about, but I mean, worst comes to worst. We're no further, we're no worse off than we are right now. All the teams are in the same spot. So we just talk about it next week. Um, speaking of next week, we do have a schedule change coming starting next weekend. Our shows will be moved from Saturday to Sunday, same time. Don't worry, you don't have to get up any earlier or stay any later. Same time, as always. But we will be work going on Sundays moving forward. Some news coming out this week. Uh, we'll answer as to why. Until then, make sure you follow us on social media, at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Kyle Vardy, at Irfan Manji, and at Nick McVicker, respectively. As we said, we'll try to keep you updated with the trade deadline news in the NHL on Monday. Do our best, obviously. I know we're all working, so makes it kind of tough, but we'll see what we can do. Make sure you follow us for any more information as well. We'll try to keep you updated with everything as we approach the MLB season, as we approach playoffs for both the NBA and NHL. Lots of fun stuff. NFL draft is just over a month away. A lot, lots going on in the sporting world. I love it. Canada, it's World Cup qualifying, World Cup draws next is the week after next weekend. So we'll probably talk about that next weekend. Lots to go. But we will wrap this one up. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.